Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. My name is Grayson Gilbert. And I'm Matt Henry. We're going to do a, another different type of podcast. Um, and obviously, you have heard the name Grayson Gilbert. He's a new pastor on staff with Missio Day Fellowship, my church. Um, and, and he preaches at ours. And he preaches at both of ours. Yeah. yeah. If you didn't know, I think we've said it, but Matt Miller was part of our church, uh, was a campus with a goal that they would eventually become their own independent church. That's happened at the first of the year. And so um, he's no longer technically part of Missio Day. He is the pastor of the Vine, the Vine Community <laughs> Church up in South Milwaukee. Um, and it's, it's a good, stable, solid church. But... I, Matt and I talk all the time, and now that Grayson's on staff here, we, we're talking more and more. So um, somewhere a, a couple weeks ago, I was just asking Matt how things were going. Uh, you're preaching through Luke, mm-hmm. and um, I'm preaching through Acts. Grayson, you're preaching through... Psalms. Yeah, and that's new for you. It is, yeah. But you were preaching through... Uh, the, the Minor, minor Prophets, yeah. Okay, so in, in all of that, we don't know... Um, if this will be interesting or not. But I think it could be because um, one of the things we do try to do on occasion is at least peel back a bit the curtain that separates the pastor and the flock. Um, you know, what goes on in the life of a pastor versus the average individual. Um, they're just different things. Um, but one of the things that people maybe don't understand is that if you are, especially if you're an expositional preacher, so you're going verse by verse, you get to know a book of the Bible exceedingly well. And so I've learned that my favorite book of the Bible is always the one I'm preaching on. Um, right? And, and so I, I did seven years through Romans, and I just, every time I talked, I invariably invoked a an aspect of Romans. Now it's Acts, and all I ever do is use Acts. How long have you been in Acts? I don't know. Same t- length of time you've been in Luke, because we started with, oh, this is cool. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll do the two books written by Luke. And, and then, Well, then you shot off into Genesis for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. And I then, did. And then you did something else. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, yeah well, well, uh, the I, kingdom of God. Oh, that's that's what the kingdom right? of God. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that was a rip because in in the very first chapter of Acts, he talks about the it, the the apostles were wanting is is it now the mm-hmm. a kingdom? And since there's a disagreement of that among members in our church, I thought this is a great place to just pause and say, look, um, I don't want to just preach one and just everyone say, yeah, well, we don't agree with you. Um, I thought, nope, that's not my way. I'm going <laughs> to shove it in your face and 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 let you see why I believe this. Because um, I believe it matters, um, and 
So, but but it was all premised off the act. So, what I thought would be interesting is if we just kind of talked about as pastors, we're in the text, we're we're beating it to death, we're working it through, and and we start to learn things that maybe we never appreciated before, um, and we can tell share, maybe share that with the listeners and say, here's some things as we're preaching that we're learning about ourselves, the church, but also what God cares about. Maybe that's that's the way to say it. But mm-hmm. with that in mind, what are some of the things that, for you, Matt, just going through Luke, have you enjoyed it? Oh, I've loved it. Now, can you remember what you were expecting Luke to be versus where you're starting to see Luke is? Yeah, I don't, you know, to be honest, I'd, I had I had not a lot of thoughts on, I had no expectation. Oh, really? Yeah. Other than I knew I would probably get into some passages that were, you know, passages that everybody knows about. And as I'm digging through them and working through them, realize that is not at all what that means, even though you're taught it this way. Yes, yes. And especially in the Gospels, where they all become Sunday school lessons or devotionals or something. And you, you begin to realize boy, this whole thing is situated and framed in a context that has absolutely nothing to do with typically what the moral of that lesson or story is, is taught to be. Yep. Um, so that's been interesting in just seeing the dynamics of the story develop. So is, I'm, is I'm, there any any passage that like pops in your mind that where you're like, okay, the, the popular understanding of this is this, but that's not really what the point is. I, I we Ooh. literally have no script here. We're looking at each other. So <laughs> if there's a weird yeah. pauses, it's because all of a sudden the question got asked that they're like, um, I just got asked a question. No, I, there hasn't been anything, any singular passage that stuck out as that. Um, I can tell you some passage. I mean, sections of the Gospels stand out to me. Okay, um, that were at least formative. I think for the for our church. Okay, first one would have been. Um, the one on uh, repentance. Um, I did a three or four part mm-hmm. thing on repentance. Another one was when Jesus first meets his disciples um, and, and gathers his disciples in cha- the beginning of chapter five, mm-hmm. and they leave yeah. everything to follow him. I, I, re- I really spent some time developing the nature of true discipleship, and I saw that being a moment where some people's minds switched in the church. In what way? Uh, how they view themselves, understand themselves, and what the role of it of being a true Christ follower is, um, and really adopting more and more that mindset of being a missionary um, versus missionary is always something that somebody else does. Um, it's like, crap, I'm, I'm supposed to do this. Mm. Um, I really love chapter five, um, which are these wonderful stories of Christ as deliverer and how he mm. really goes to the weak um, and rescues him. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated as how he is constantly skipping the crowd. The crowd in the Gospel of Luke, something I didn't know. I always thought the crowd was just this these, this broad group of people who were just kind of neutral. Um, and they were following Jesus because they wanted to really find out about him. But thematically, the crowd is in reference to a neutral, religious, half-hearted people. Hmm. Uh, and Jesus is constantly skipping over them to be with his true disciples. In other words, the American church. Basically. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. 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 Well, especially there in five, chapter five. I mean, he's, he's, he's really starting to amass a following uh, and he's coming into celebrity status. He skips them all and then goes and finds Peter hmm. who's coming off the shore and says, you follow me. 
uh, and just forgets the crowd. And he certainly has no love for the institution, um, right. Pharisees and the scribes. Um, Parable of the Soils was one that was formative for the church, I think. Um, and there's, there's some others in there that personally, I think helped shape me a little bit. But one of the things I'm seeing, I'm learning about Jesus is how, I mean, in the gospels, you get him in his humanity and you really do see his compassion. I spent most of my adult Christian life studying Paul, right. even in seminary, that was my emphasis. And so to actually see Jesus in the flesh and his humanity and his sympathy and his care for the sinner, um, the one who's weak, who has no hope to me has been uh, in, enjoyable and helpful. I, I think one of your series that you did that I thoroughly enjoyed was when with the temptation of Christ. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good one too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, guys, go to his uh, website, uh, the Vine Community Church. What's what's the address? Uh, uh, <laughs> thevinemke.org. Yeah, thevinemke for Milwaukee. dot uh, org. Um, and and if you're interested, I think you'll find that. I don't think you've preached a bad sermon uh, in Luke. I know that there's times you're not happy. We're always unhappy with yeah. our sermons. But, um, yeah, that whole series on the temptation of Christ, uh, yeah, was just so good. Um, I, you also have brought out repeatedly the centrality of the I, – I don't know if I'll say it the right way. Um, hope I don't screw it up. Uh, the spirit and the word – uh, that that inseparable relationship um, does that trigger anything with you? That off the top of your mind of this is from a conversation I'm, I'm dredging up from my memory, and that's always scary. Um, just how with the yeah. spirit and the word. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, you've also preached over sermons on that. Yeah. Yeah. The the that that false bifurcation is that the correct word? Yeah. That we have between. Oh, I'm going to be word-centered, or hey, we're going to be spirit-filled. And you realize biblically, you can't separate those. To be word-centered is to be spirit-filled. To be spirit-filled is to be word-centered. They work in conjunction. And uh, what I like about Luke is that's one of his themes. And I think you're getting that. You'll see that you're in Acts too. Is he yeah. already talking on that stuff? Well, I actually, I'll just quickly interject. I just preached on it because with the um, the in Acts six, where the widows who were Greek-speaking were being overlooked. And the, the disciples said, I mean, the apostles said, we, we need to focus on the ministry of the word. But they, when they said, these are the men you must select, um, they have to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. And that full of the spirit and full of wisdom are one and the same. They're not two separate things. It's not this charismatic power broker of miracles uh, that they're looking for. It's um, a man. These are men who are guided by the Spirit. That's what the word play race is going to be under that control of the Spirit. And what is that? Well, it's the Word of God, which produces wisdom because you're now skillfully. Wisdom is not just worldly wisdom. It's right. It's that skillful yeah. apprehension and application of the of the Word. And and to them, that was most important. Is let's get men who are driven and controlled and constrained by. The word, and because if you have that, then you know. However, they resolve this problem with the widows, um, yeah, will be good because it's biblically grounded. Rather than um, today, well, let's get together a racial justice 
discussion then <laughs> and figure out why we hate and we need to empathize with our Greek-speaking widows. And until we do, you know, we're just a Hebrew homogenous, mm-hmm. systemically racist group of yeah. fools. <laughs> I got you. I'll be get my sense there. But anyhow, so. Yeah, that, um, I, I forgot to mention, uh, another thing that was very helpful. So you asked the question, is there anything that I, that changed when I came to it yeah. or something? Yeah. Uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, um, and th- that is always taught, this is what you should seek, mm-hmm. seek to be, seek to go and do this. Um, and in studying through it, Luke's is the shorter, Matthew's right. chapters five through seven in his Actually, what it is, is it's one um, giant description of what the Christian will be like, imperfectly, but it's what they will be like. It's not what you should seek to try and do. It, he's just saying, if you're a Christian, this is what you'll be. And I think my exhortation after almost every sermon through the Sermon on the Mount was, so examine yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this true of you? Uh, and uh, that was helpful for me, just having to study through it, personally even. Hmm. Are are there things where you've wondered how how well the church will receive? Well, your church is so receptive to the preaching of the word. So, it, but but have you ever like, oh, this will be a fun one? Yeah, the one on the um, I didn't want to preach it. Uh, the one on the the peril of following the wrong spiritual oh, yeah. leader or something like that. Um, that was such a good sermon. It really though. was. Yeah, and I remember, I remember explicitly, Lydia is like, can you just pray for me? Because I'm in a bad mood that I have to preach this. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm just hammering on people. And, but it's what the text was, so I'm not going to pull punches on it. And, uh, but it, it, re- it was received quite well, I think. There was a season where I, I had a few people come up to me and say, man, the, the past couple months, it's, I just wonder if I'm even a Christian, <laughs> but they, then they admit, but it's been good. Cause it's a, it's forced me to have to do some actual self-examination. Absolutely. So that, that some of those. So what was the peril? What was your point with the peril of the wrong teacher? I mean, summarize it. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> there, there were several points in there. Well, uh, one, no, one, I mean, I just like, can you summarize your yeah, well, if you if you if you're following the wrong leader, it, it will wind you up in hell. Yes, that's yeah. my point. Okay, thank you. And that's what I was hoping so, you'd say. So, so <laughs> what he gave were some marks of here's what here's how you should examine the ones whom you call teacher, uh, and, and some yes. of those you know hip, hypocrisy, which means play actor. In other words, you're fake. Hmm. Um, with you mean time. like you buy your sermons from other places so that you <laughs> can be growing your church. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, maybe. Um, so stuff like that. But uh, that was right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. And and the parallel to that in Matthew is the one um, with that he will call me Lord, Lord. That's yeah. actually in reference to teachers. Yes. Um, not Joe Schmo. Really? Seat. Yeah. I'd have to go look. At, okay. See, I didn't know that. Well, but but you described something that people don't always know is a faithful pastor sometimes walks into the pulpit not excited, um, because it's it's a hard word. It's not going to be a it's a good word, but it's a hard word. And 
end, especially if your church is struggling. You know, it's like, I don't want to be the guy that kills the church. Um, yeah. You know. Or, or you get a passage that the necessary and some uh, implication, sometimes overt application is, is it's a, a rebuke. But you also know there's people in the congregation that are just hurting. And it's like, I, I want to comfort them, but the passage is rebuke. And in God's providence, you embrace that and you preach it anyway. Yeah. Because that's what he has for that church that day. Yeah, I, I, I think I appreciate with your preaching is that you don't pull the punches. Um, I think you deal with the text. And mm-hmm. in the long run, that will bear the fruit it needs to bear, but it does make it always easy. Yeah. So what about with you? With um, like, first of all, I'm just curious. What stands out with how many? I mean, I can't even think of how many sermons you preached through with the minor prophets. But um, what stood out to you as you're going through these? Just it's like, all right, now we're in Amos. Yeah, I mean, it it was a continual emphasis on judgment, right? <laughs> so, I mean, literally every time I went to go preach, I'm just I'm the guy that's going to bring hellfire. And I'm going up to your church up in Milwaukee, and I'm like, I don't even know half of these people, and yet here's a sermon I've got to give it to them. You know, there I, there was one sermon in the midst of Amos where it was dealing with false teachers, and I I think I remember actually saying to your church like, all right, you guys get a break this week because it's not focusing on you; it's focusing on those who are shepherds. Um, but what what stuck out to me during the Minor Prophets, I mean, there's there's different ones that I went through, but the prevailing theme was judgment and salvation, right? It's over and again. Um, you know, they're being judged for their wickedness and how they've forsaken the covenant that God made with them, and yet there's still that lingering promise of salvation. And in some books, that's a heavier emphasis than others. And in others, you get, like Amos, nine straight chapters of judgment and maybe seven verses of encouragement. <laughs> So I just felt like I was beating people to death half the time. Um, But for me, I mean, in the study, it wrecked me some days. Um, Just because you start to see your own sin as you're unfolding the text. And it's it's like, crud, I'm I'm messing with people's lives in a way where I'm not only looking at them and, and instructing them through the Word of God, but I'm telling them specifically what they have to do in light of that. Um, But first and foremost, if I'm not looking at my own life and realigning my priorities and confessing of sin and seeking to repent, like I have no right to be up there. And especially as I was preaching through the Minor Prophets, it's like, Hmm. that's heavy-handed stuff all the time. And so in many ways, it was was depressing for me personally (laughs) because I I felt like I was getting beat up and then I go and beat up other people. Um, And so it was much the same where I look at my wife almost every time I preached and just say, hey, can you can you just pray? Because I don't know how people are going to receive it, for one. But um, I also just felt bad a lot of the time. Uh, and But it was a sweet time because it reminded me just of the sheer grace of Christ in the midst of that. Um, the difficulty was like I wanted so badly to preach that. And instead, what I had were hard words mm-hmm. um, all the time. And it made me think of the broader evangelical church even a lot of the time where because much of what we see today, you know, we're not Israel. America especially is not Israel. But there were so many parallels that I thought were just apropos all the time of people devouring widows' houses, right, mm-hmm. with the prosperity gospel. And then you've got others who are perverting justice in the court of law. And I don't mean the social justice kind of stuff we like to lob onto today. 
but um, people really and judiciously, judicially getting the short end of the stick where uh, they may not have actually done something wrong. Um, but then I'm looking at young Christians who are being exposed to sin regularly and all the different ways in which the minor prophets are so good at revealing that. Um, for me, it just, it revealed, I guess, on a big scale, the exceeding sinfulness of sin. You know, to rob a, a line from John Owen where, you know, I, I knew theologically in my mind and in my heart how sin destroys and how it corrupts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it took me to a whole nother level of just really seeing how sin unchecked will, it'll pervert even the goodness of something like the law of God. And it'll pervert even something like the goodness of a, of a covenant that God made with a particular nation of Israel. Um, and it reminded me of the goodness of God where he, he doesn't just grow tired of it and wipe everything out. You know, he destroyed the earth in a flood and promised to never do that again. And we know that one day judgment will come. But it's like the exceedingly gracious patience and long-suffering mm -hmm. of God in the midst of great evil, um, it, it blew me away at times. What, did, you, did you pick, have you grown or changed in any way also in your understanding of how God views sin, though? I don't know if you have or not. I, it, your, your series did for me. So, I mean, if you ha don't have anything, I'll throw my own out. But I mean, it did. Um, I'm trying to think of how best to even answer that. So it it allowed me to see how much more seriously I need to take sin. Yeah, that's mine. I mean, you know, it's, it's like how, how easily we can play with the little trinkets and baubles that we should not be playing with. And we know full well the ramifications of it and how it plays out. We know it put our Lord to the cross. And yet I think was a C.S. Lewis, he said, we're so easily content playing with mm -hmm. mud, pie, mud pies in a slum, though we have a, a long-awaited holiday at the sea or something like that. Yeah, um, It's like the glories of heaven, the glories that are to come, and yet we're so fixated on just those cheap, instantaneous gratifications that literally killed our Lord. Um, well, let me throw one more aspect to that, because you're right, um, but also how it destroyed Israel. Yep. Um, how the false shepherd is still screaming peace, peace when there is no peace, right? Um, and and the false prophets who are saying no, don't listen to this guy, he's wrong. I'm expanding into the major prophets because mm -hmm. that was a big one for oh, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Amos was but all yeah, that. Yep. and so you have all these false prophets who are telling the people exactly what they want, and even though the wrath of God is literally hovering over them, they're watching their friends and family be taken away into captivity, raped, pillaged, just destroyed. Um, and the people still look with uncomprehending grasp that that somehow they're not, they're, they're still going to want to listen to the good word. They want to hear the person who's speaking positive, encouraging. Um, yeah, I, I, I felt badly for you because it's like, man, he's just railing on everything again. At the same time, I actually really enjoyed it. And I don't know if that just speaks to some twisted part of me. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, I, I look at the church as a, a, on a broad scale, and we like to hear the good words all yeah. the time. Um, but that's just not the majority of Scripture in many ways. Like, there, don't get me wrong, that's that's all there, and it's all stuff we need to cling to. 
because we're hopeless without Christ. Um, but the reality is, like, Christ spoke more on judgment than virtually anything yep. else. I, uh, I also think going through the Minor Prophets especially, it, um, it, sh- it shows his patience, but also what, how frightening wrath is because it's not in the fullness um, when when he comes again. Revelation nineteen describes you know it's it's ugly, it's mm-hmm. frightening, and and I again how he warned them the faithful prophet time and time. Poor Amos was just wasn't he a, was he a shepherd or a goat herder? A shepherd, yeah. Well, sycamore fig tender too. So, so <laughs> and he's just <laughs> but he's yeah, just, just minding his own business, right? I, I got sheep, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes upon them, and yeah, actually, you're going to be a prophet. <laughs> and, and, and no one's going to listen to you. Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody's going to like you. And then you'll go back into being a shepherd again, apparently. You just kind of disappear. Um, but how God raises up people and, and calls people to repent, but how few actually do repent. Yeah. Um, even in the midst of seeing the wrath of God, coming that there's I, I I'm thinking of back when I preached to Revelation and and they are in the caves yes. asking you know the, the instead rocks. of repenting follow me yeah and it's like you fool you fool um, that's what stood out to me too with your series is because um, we do we view the God of the Old Testament as the God of wrath right and the God of the New Testament is God of love and mm-hmm. grace um, but how much the fact that he raises up a prophet to cry out against the nation to repentance does show God's patience and his kindness. Yep. And yet in the midst of that, now we'll presume on it. Yeah. Right. So that now they're going to presume on these cries of judgment and wrath. And so the call to repent, we, it's like, we, we don't believe it. Yeah. We don't take out. And, and it is, it's no different than today. And when you speak forth, the gospel is, um, our experience doesn't match up with what you're trying to tell me, so I'm just going to keep presuming. And it's like, uh, or, or, or it applies to somebody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. he couldn't. Amos isn't talking to me. You know, it's like, actually, well, it's like how many times? How many times is he's just like, you presume that the day you long for, the day of the Lord, right, is going to be favorable for you, but it'll be nothing but darkness. And they're still just like, well. Let's just sit on our reclining couches and eat grapes and drink some wine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back to you, Matt, actually a question. Have, have you found Luke to change you any? Um. Again, I, I, I know it's just out of the left field I throw these questions out to you, but have, how many? what chapter are you in now? Are you in nine, nine. or ten? Yeah, okay. nine. Um, uh, it has, but in a way that I thought it wouldn't. Um, I, I've never had to spend a concentrated portion of time with just the person of Christ himself. Mm. And what it has taught me was how unbelievably patient and compassionate he is toward the sinner. Because I can get really frustrated with people really yes. quickly. Um, Amen. And, and, I'm, and I'm, especially now that I'm in the section where he has gathered his disciples and now he's training them in their adults, you know, like they just don't get it. And, 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 and how patient he is with them. And the, the, just the last sermon I did, it, it's the most agitated you see Christ in all of the gospels. Um, and he looks at him and just says, 
how long will I be with you and you don't get it? Um, and how long must I put up with you? It makes you wonder what this prayer time with alone, where he's just talking to his father. Yeah. They're idiots. Well, well, <laughs> you, you see the contrast. I mean, Jesus was just up on the mountain. Yes, he, yeah. He peels back his flesh in the transfiguration and right, reveals right, his glory. Right. So it's the highest point uh, in their time with him. They come down from the mountain and they immediately hit their absolute lowest. They can't cast out the demon. And he just looks at him and says, it's because you completely lack faith. I already told you you have everything you need to... To do it. To do it. And, and you can't do it because you lack faith. Um, how long? Even though you just saw me. <laughs> <laughs> and you've cast out demons before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, oh, that's an excellent point. <laughs> it's not like you haven't done it before. Yeah. What? <laughs> and they're too busy. They're debating with the scribes. They need to defend themselves against the scribes. And he's just like, and he's so frustrated with them. And he pulls a line from Deuteronomy, uh, calling him a wicked and perverse generation, uh, speaking of his disciples. Um, but, but to my point is, he then says, how long must I put up with you? And the answer to that is he's going to spend a whole other year with them as he travels now down to Jerusalem to go and get killed for him on the cross. Hmm. And he's going to be teaching with teaching him. And all along the way, he's, he's going to the weak. He's helping the sinner. He's, uh, his affection is set toward the humble of heart. Um, and then just other just weird pastoral things that I pick up on, uh, how important things like touch, physical touch is to hmm. Jesus. That's one that you brought out. I learned this, and you, didn't, you don't know this. I never told you this, but I, I felt <laughs> corrected by you. Um, you've done a lot more traveling than me, uh, and I, I hope not the wrong, the right, wrong, I don't know what the right word is, wrong people hear this. When you go into a context that you're not used to, like a third world, where it's not sanitary like mm -hmm. the U.S., you're afraid to touch things, and you're afraid to touch people. And there was this woman, this old beggar peasant woman, who came up to us with a big smiling face, and probably because we're white men, I don't know. And she comes up and she wants to shake my hand. And to my shame, I pulled away hmm. because you're fearful of sickness. Um, well, bakers in third world tend to be. Yeah, but you said you said to me, you know, you probably don't remember this, but you was like, respect her. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, you're right, I should. And so I shook her hand, um, and then immediately. With the, <laughs> uh, the Purell or whatever, um, but um, I never forgot that. And then, as I'm now preaching through Luke, I see the, the uh, how much Jesus touches mm -hmm. the 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 undesirables, the ones who no one else would touch, even in that culture, um, and how important that ministered to those people. How Jesus truly, in his humanity, the importance of presence and touching and just, just little things like that. And it's like, will God not even protect you in those situations to minister? To people? Yes. Yeah. He, it's like, yes. Amen to that. And um, so I'll, I'll, you guys have heard this story, but way, way back in the beginnings of my ministry here, we had a woman, Evelyn, uh, a unique lady, different, very paranoid, always thought the CIA was bugging her, and oh, I remember she's this. the one that I had to go and count her uh, or, uh, yes. yeah, underwear because yeah. yeah. she thought that they had snuck in and stolen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I never thought I would be counting an old woman's underwear 
to give her assurance. It's like they didn't teach you that in that seminary. That was not in seminary. Nowhere. And my lap, my wife was with me, and she just laughed. Intro to underwear counting one on one. Six hundred dollars a credit. Oh my god! Is this going to be on the final? <laughs> I mean, I don't need to know brands, right? It was so awkward, and and yet she was terrified. She just knew the men working on a telephone pole were breaking into her house and stealing her underwear. Um, so she also suffered from rheumatoid arthritis, so her hands and feet were all twisted. And she pulled up next to me uh, for evening church. And so I got out of the car, and I just came around, opened the door for her, and said, hey. And she got out, and I shut the door for her. And at that moment, she remembered she forgot something, and she put her hand in, and the door completely shut on those twisted fingers of hers. And I was horrified, and I went to unlock it. I mean, open it, and it's locked. And so now she's stuck in there. I'm looking at these twisted fingers. Yeah, you're laughing. I'm horrified. I'm just trying to do a good deed. Now I got that. And she's standing there trapped, completely shut. I'm rummaging through her old lady purse, trying to find her keys. They're somehow already in the bottom. And I get them, and then I get the door unlocked, and I didn't dare look at her fingers. And I just grabbed her, and I hugged her, and I told her, Evelyn, Evelyn, I am so sorry. I was heartbroken. And she said words I'd never forgot. She said, it was worth it to get a hug. And I forgot. Her husband had died 10 years earlier. She had a worthless son. And she had not, I found out, she had not had a hug from a human being in over 10 years. And I was like, just to that. And that day was, from that day forward, I would meet her, and I would put my arm out, and she'd put her arm through. I'd hug, I'd take her in, and then I'd give her a hug, and I'd kiss her on the top of her head. To this day, I'm not a huggy person. You guys know that. But especially the older women of the church, I try to show some type of affection Mm -hmm. um, because I, I realize, especially if they're a widow, very good chance that they don't have the pleasure of just human touch. Right. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you, you got to do it. Um, and he does. He, yeah. The, and he's always touching the unclean. Exactly. Right. <laughs> always. Yeah. Always. Um, so, so things I'm learning. Um, I'm learning uh, that the church, the nature of fellowship. We did a just did a podcast that should be coming out uh, before this one on fellowship. Um, the nature of what fellowship is is not what we make it is, think it is, and just the, how important the corporate gathering of the body is. And in, in that fellowship occurs. We have that fellowship because we share in the life of Christ, right? And we, we share in the life through the Spirit. That's fellowship. And and to learn to be content that the fact that we're able to gather together as saints is fellowship, and we're called to have that fellowship, and that we have fellowship as we hear together the, the preaching of the Word, that that's fellowship. And, and as we take the Lord's Supper each week, we're, we share in the death and resurrection of Christ. And as we sing songs, we share. We have fellowship with one another. Um, for me, it's making the gathering of the church sweet much sweeter than it's a thing I got to go do. Hmm. Um, it's it's something that I am part of and that when we come together, um, 
that like mind. I'm understanding more and more how important like mindedness is and how destructive disunity is. I've always known it, but I'm seeing it more because um, we we have we share in these things, and and that's true fellowship, and and we keep looking for a different kind of fellowship. Um, the other thing that for me has been uh, very strong is. I, I believe the elder, we've talked about this in ecclesiology, I think the elder is what's replaced the um, apostle. Um, yeah. And that as they died off, that the elders took over that role. And, and the absolute centrality and non-negotiable of the Word of God, that if, if in doubt, if you don't know what to do, bring the Word to bear. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's what they did. They just, it wasn't, it's, you know, we focus on the miracles, but the miracles are a side issue. What's, and, and it was always done by the apostles, right? It, you don't see just the whole church doing miracles. Um, but it was the apostles and then those tightly connected, like Stephan um, was doing miracles as well. But um, what was most important was they were, they were always teaching, they were always preaching, um, and so for me, it's just, I, maybe that sounds silly, but having been doing this for a few decades, weirdly, I can start to wonder if I'm wasting my time with another sermon or another Bible study or another, you know, because you don't. I mean, we're not the fastest growing church. We're not on Christianity Today's. We're, we're nobody. All three of us are literally yeah. nobodies, right? And, you know, and then you watch some guy who's, whatever and he's just it's gross and you, and there can be that sense of discontentment um and and it's a constant pernicious temptation in my own heart and and then just seeing it's okay it's just that's not what god's called me just bring the word bring the word bring the word and and be absolutely uh, unashamed of it um it's just fascinating how they're brought up on the trial, and they don't soft shoe anything. They're they're in the San, council with the Sanhedrin, and and they could approach it so many different ways, and and they go right at the Sanhedrin. They're like Christ, whom you murdered, <laughs> <laughs> and God raised from the dead, and and they didn't care. They 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 didn't know they were going to be rescued. They didn't know that Gamaliel would stand up and speak on their behalf or any of that. They they didn't matter. It's like you you're saying this and it's not true. This is the truth and and they were committed to it. So I'm I'm already anticipating getting to chapter 7 and 8 where uh Stephen is stoned. Mm. You know, and he gets up and he he literally does what you did in the Minor Prophets. He goes through the entire history of the Israel's the Old Testament and shows them what they've done and who God is. Mm-hmm. And and the result of it is he's killed. And and it's like, and then the church explodes. Yeah, and and spreads out. Yeah, because of that, it. It needed that first martyr. Yeah. yeah, and that it was not a wasted life, mm-hmm. you know, because he, wow, he could have said that more wisely. I just think there's no way the vast majority of the preachers in America right now would preach in front of their enemies the sermon he did. Um, so for me, it's just firming up what's already been firm. It's, so it's calcifying maybe. Um, Matt, shut up and go preach and make certain you deal with the text. Preach the text, preach the text, preach the text. Um, let the chips fall where they may. Are you enjoying your preaching? 
Yeah. Well, you should because <laughs> you're finally getting to do what you wanted to do. Yeah. Now, I love it. Every bit of it. Now, I'm going to go away on the sabbatical, so you're going to do it every single week. Are you looking forward to that? I am. Are you going to resent when I come back and I expect my pulpit back? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just getting in the swing of things here. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm tired of sharing my pulpit, but I've discovered that is going to be the rest of my life probably. Sucks. <laughs> I will not take that personally. <laughs> don't. Don't. Um, anyhow, I hope that this is uh, interesting to you. Maybe it won't be. Um, but if you ever wonder what goes on in your pastor's mind, ask him. Um, but don't be surprised if, if you don't know him. He might be hesitant to share with you what you're, he's thinking. But um, if you've got a faithful pastor, they're, they're in the Word, and the Word will do what it's going to do, right? Um, people think, wow, you're kind of rough on me because we preach for an hour. Um, and it's like, you have no idea what the Lord was like to me. I was in this text for the last week, um, or for you, three weeks in that text, mm-hmm. and and the Word is just beating on you mm-hmm. and working on you, and then you bring it all together for one one hour. But it's a beautiful thing. I, I, you've just begun on this, but you've seen the Word change people, haven't you? I think that's the, probably the that's in part what keeps you going. Yeah. Right. Um, it was interesting. I had a younger woman <laughs> come up to me. She is not used to our church. Um, the church, the church that we what she went to. I mean, don't do that when I'm drinking a <laughs> d- sip of water. I mean, yeah, they were. I mean, literally opposite in just about everything. And she's been coming now for probably five or six months, and she's inviting friends. And she told me her friends came, and she had to tell them because they. I asked her how she's like in the church, and she's like, "Well, can I just be honest with you?" And I said, "Well, I would expect nothing less." <laughs> And she said, when I first came, I hated it. And she's like, you preach for so long. (laughs) And I've been known for some 70 minuters, you know. Yes. And we don't even have the fancy chairs like you guys got. Nope. Um, She's like, but what I learned is is it was an acquired taste. I had to just, once I realized what you were doing, um, she's like, now I absolutely love it. And now she's encouraging her friends to come and visit. Give them at least four to six weeks. Hmm. Because it'll change your perspective. Don't judge it by the first week because you're just in shock. <laughs> um, they like look back at the timer. It's, it's, it's in the red. Ever end. It's yeah. been in the red for a while. And it's still blinking. <laughs> um, at least they turn the sound off. You say, Oh, really? Yeah, I would order that off immediately. But so I'm seeing it in things like that of just how minds are being changed and then hearts being changed. That is yeah. the most rewarding thing. Yeah, I, I even saw that with, uh, gosh, I can't remember, Justin Healy's son. What's his name? The young kid that got baptized at the uh, summer celebration service? Noah. Noah. I mean, that to me was sweet because it's like, you know, here I felt like I was just beating people up and here's this young kid that gets up and he's just like, you know, Pastor Grayson taught on hell. And then Pastor Matt taught on grace. And I'm like, boom, there you go. That's Good awesome. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> But it was sweet to me because it's like, again, the ordinary power of the word. Right? Was it nice to hear the word pastor, Grayson? It's still strange. Like, I, I just don't think of myself that way. I know. I, I'll just tell you, I'm 25 years in and I still don't think of my – I'm a preacher but not a pastor. You. I told you um, when we – it was probably about a year into the church plant. Um, I was walking down a hall somewhere 
And someone goes, hey, Pastor Matt, I kept walking. (laughs) Surely they're talking Matt Henry in my mind. And it wasn't. And I was like, whoa, I need to change my reaction to that. (laughs) Um, But it was weird because I was here here this morning at your church. And someone goes, hey, Pastor Matt. And I turned on and I went, yes. And they were looking for you. I'm like, oh, (laughs) 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 wrong building. (laughs) That's cool. Well, anyhow, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, little insight in what goes on, at least our minds as we preach. Uh, if if there's anything that's intriguing, drop us a line. We'd love to hear you. Uh, as usual, we ask you post this on and share it on social media. It does help. Uh, rate us on iTunes and uh, tell a friend. <laughs> <laughs>